Okay, today's Family Sunday. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you also once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by children nature of and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, this morning we are just in awe that You would visit us. God, for Your presence, Lord. Uh, God, we know that You're here for many reasons. God, because Your Word tells us where two or three are gathered, there You are. Father, we know You're here because we sense Your presence, Lord. We, We see You working. God, we know You're here because somebody's already been saved. And Lord, salvation is something only You can do. It's not something man can do, Lord. Only You can speak to a person's heart, Father, and transform us. God, that's happened already, Father, this morning before the Word was ever preached. And so, God, we pray now that You'd finish what You've started. I ask that You'd help me to preach in the anointing, in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, that Your Word would change lives this morning. Help me to preach only what You'd have me to preach, nothing more, nothing less. We pray, God, that uh, You would continue to reach the lost, that You continue to save Uh, the lost, God, that You'd continue to encourage the saint, God, that You'd convict us, that You'd challenge us, that You'd change us. God, we pray above all that You would just be exalted, lifted up, have Your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you He made alive who were dead. And you He made alive who were dead. This is an interesting statement in the Bible. I do want to preach this morning eventually on this thought. Changing the course. But before we understand the need to change the course, we first have to realize what course that we're on. The Bible says, you whom He made alive were dead. That's a really interesting statement and it's impossible for us to understand what it really means until we understand what death means in the Bible, what it means to be dead. When we think of dead, we think when the heart quits beating, and the body is no more. But really, that's not dead. The Bible tells us for those that are saved to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We, 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 are, we hear of the second death that is eternal death, where the, those that are uh, lost are doomed to eternity, distant from God, and yet they live in the second death. And so, you have to understand what death really means in the Bible is not the end of something, but the best word that I can tell you to describe what death means is simply the word separation. To be separated from God is to be spiritually dead. What was it that God told Adam and Eve? The day that you eat of the 
the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you shall die. Well, they ate of the tree, and in that day they were separated from God. They were so separated from God that in their soul, in their heart, and in their mind, they tried to hide from God. They wanted to be separated from God. And then when God came around, not only did they want to be separated from Him, but then they tried to clothe themselves and hide who they really were because for the first time in their existence, they were separated from God. They were not in communion with Him. They were not in union with Him like they were before the fall. That is death in the Bible. And the Bible says, you who were dead, He is made alive. All of us, in that sense were born dead. Born in sin. Born sinners. It is in our nature. And we're going to look at this word nature uh, here in just a moment. But it was in our nature to be separated from God. It was in our nature to sin. Some of you who have been here years, you've heard me reference this many times, but you don't have to teach your children to be selfish. You don't have to teach your children to steal. You don't have to teach them to lie when they think it's in their best interest. You do not have to teach them to be manipulative. It is in their nature. And as we mature and as we grow physically, as we age would be a better word for it, here on this earth, we learn how to hone those skills to become better liars, to be more mani- to, to be better manipulators, to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And the Bible says this. It says, you he made alive. This morning, if you've been made alive, thank God you've been made alive. What is it to be made alive? What it really means is to be, to, 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 to step out of the separation away from God into communion with Him. As I thought and pondered about the ways to explain this whole born again, this whole I was dead but now I'm alive, one of the best ways in my brain to figure it out, and I didn't know it was children's church today, so pardon me if this is graphic. But you see a a, a child in the womb of a mother. And as long as that child is in the womb of that mother, that's all that the child knows. The child doesn't know colors. The child doesn't know air. The child doesn't know food. Matter of fact, the child is actually fed through a tube. And it's not until the child comes out of the mother out of one side into the other side, that now things change for that child. For the first time in the child's life, his voice comes out of his mouth or her voice comes out of her mouth. The ears actually hear clearly. The umbilical cord is cut. And from that moment on, that child begins taking uh, food and, 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 and drink in through their mouth rather than through a tube. And while it is the same child, everything changes when it comes from this realm To this realm. And while it was in this realm, it was totally unconscious of everything that was going on over here. Yet, everything that was going on over here was still going on. The same is true spiritually. When you're dead, and you're dead in your trespasses, you are totally oblivious to the reality of God here. 
You might be able to uh, cognitively come to some conclusion when you look at science and you look at the complexity of the human body and, 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 and the eye and, and, and this world and how everything works and come to some type of conclusion that it, there must be a God. But coming to the conclusion that there must be a God is an entirely different thing from being made alive and seeing God, knowing God, hearing God, experiencing God. And the reality is, until that has happened, until that moment has happened, it sounds like craziness to everybody. It sounds like total, complete, just nonsense. I remember when I was saved, my eyes were opened. I spent 20 years living in death. I didn't know it. I didn't think there was anything else. But I was in death. I was dead. Dead to God. Separated from God. And, 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 and unable to sense His presence around me. God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He, that's why the, the, the psalmist said, where can I go to flee from the presence of the Lord? If I descend to the lowest parts of the earth, He is there. If I descend to the sea, He's there. If I go to the heavens, He's there. There's nowhere you can get away from God because He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Yet, while He was omnipresent, while He was where I was, when I was lost and dead in my sins, I was blind. I could not see. I was deaf. I could not hear. And I was un, uh, unaware. That's a great term for unaware of His presence. Unaware of His surroundings. Now, Paul said this. He made you alive. You see, there's no one that can make it, make it happen but God. This is the thing about true Christianity. This is the thing about the Bible. Most people reject it because uh, most, uh, if you will, the education, the educated portion of, of society reject it because you can't figure God out. It's, some, it, it, it's to be experienced more than it is to be explained. We can come up with the greatest explanations possible and it still falls short until God makes you alive. And until God opens your eyes to the reality of His presence. Now, let's read on. In which you once walked, that being your trespasses and sins, and you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Notice the Bible says you once walked. You're not going to be perfect as a Christian. You're not going to be flawless. Let's not pretend that you've never sinned since you've been saved. Let's not pretend that you've never thought things you shouldn't think. That you've never been mean when you shouldn't be mean. That you've never said things you shouldn't say and done things you shouldn't do. Let's not pretend that. But understand something. There's a difference between falling in sin. There's a difference between breaking in a moment of sin and in anger and frustration and walking in something. There's a big difference. And Paul said to the true Christian, you once walked in these ways. It not only insinuates, but it tells us clearly that it is possible to leave a world of sin and of selfishness and of, 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 of everything's about me and my way and my understanding. It's possible to leave a way that you once used to walk and walk a different way where now you're walking with God. You once walked. There's some things I once used to do. There's some ways I once used to walk. I don't walk that way anymore. I don't go that direction any longer. According to the course of this world. The course of this world. The course. 
That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Changing course. See, there is a course. That word course, it means a path. It means a direction. It means a general um, uh, motion, uh, a flow of motion. And there is a course of this world. And within the world, there are a lot of courses. They're all contrary to the course of God. They're all going the opposite direction of God. But there's a lot of different courses in this world. And if you're ever going to see your life transformed, if you're ever going to see your life changed, if you're ever going to come into a relationship with God and see your sins washed away, you must be willing to get off of the course that you're on. You cannot continue the course of sin, the course of the way of this world, and yet somehow walk hand in hand with God because they're contrary. As I was studying this passage and meditating on this passage, I thought about how difficult it is to do anything with a group if everybody's not on the same page. It doesn't matter if it's running. It doesn't matter if it's sports. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter what it is. It's very difficult to accomplish anything if, you're, if the people that you're working with are not on the same course. And what happens in life is, is we, we learn to bring people into our environment that are on the same course that we want to go on. And so what happens is, is you'll find that w- w- people begin to gravitate towards, uh, towards people in their way, in their course of life, that have similar likes and interests and similar dislikes. This is why liars hang out with liars. Thieves hang out with thieves. Gangsters hang out with gangsters. Prostitutes with prostitutes. Business people with business people. I mean, it's true in everything. Preachers with preachers. We tend to hang out with and gravitate towards people that are on the same course of life. Now, this can be a positive thing when the people that are on your course and the course you're headed is in the right direction. But it can be an incredibly negative thing when you're not going the right way. And you see, one of the problems about being on the course of this world is that we as people, we, we, tend, to, uh, we, de- we tend to define ourselves based upon our surroundings. And so, if I'm going this direction, and, and, and I look around at all of my surroundings, and I look around at my environment, and everybody else is going that direction, I tend to think, well, it must be right. You know, this is just who I am. I'm just, uh, you know, I've seen fighters hang out with fighters. They, people gravitate towards people that are like them, on the same course, on the same path. And then they begin to, to, to discern, is my life right? Is my life wrong? Am I going the right direction? Am I doing the right things? Am I who? And, and, and we actually lose sight of who we are. We begin to believe that we are what our environment tells us. And so you hear people make statements about their, their, their poor behavior, whether it's, whether, it's, uh, whether it's business career, whether it's lust, whether it's anger, whether it's the way they treat people. People begin to, you, you hear statements like this, well, that's just who I am. That's just me. I've always been that way. I had a friend one time tell me uh, he was a fighter, uh, one of the meanest fighters I've ever known. 
uh, went in to do it professionally, that type of thing. And uh, he, told, he told me that he knew he was meant to be a fighter when he was five years old. That the first time he ever had thoughts of really punching somebody in the face and hurting somebody was when he was five years old on a playground. And if you look at his life, he gravitated toward those types of people. Grew up to be that type of person. And he said the same type of thing that anybody else does who's going on a course. See, he got, he got around people that were on the same course and became convinced this is right. But I'm here to tell you this morning, just because you're on a course and other people think it's right and because it feels right to you doesn't mean it's right. There is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if you're not on that course this morning, you're not on the right course. No matter how bad the course looks, no matter how honorable it looks within this world, no matter whether it's successful or whether it's not, that does not define whether or not you're on the right course or on the right path. The question this morning is, is are you on the course that Jesus has set for your life? The course of this world, now look at the course of this world. It's according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, the prince of the power of the air is a term that defines Satan. That's one of his titles. And that statement uh, that he is the prince of the power of the air. Now, stay with me this morning. What does it mean that he's the prince of the power of the air? Does that mean like the oxygen that we breathe? That's the one realm that Satan gets to work in is in oxygen? No, the air. It is a term that refers to the spiritual realm around us that we cannot see. Just like air. And the reality is, just like air, it is something that we take in without even thinking about it. We're oblivious to it. It's it's just natural. We don't even know. And the course of this world is according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, here's what that tells us. It tells us that the course, that the path that we choose to take, that we naturally decide to go about, is an evil path. And and, and I don't understand why Satan, he manipulates us uh, in, in certain ways. Notice it says, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This spirit, this this world spirit, this satanic spirit of the world, it works in us. Now, that's not saying that every human being is demon-possessed. But the overall spirit, if you will, the attitude, the mentality, the way, the course of the world, it is in us. And I don't understand how it all works, but I know this. For some reason, Satan takes this person this direction. He takes this person this direction. He takes this person this direction. Some people get their worldly course at a young age. Some don't figure it out till they're 18, 19, 20. But at the end of the day, all of us at some point in time have been on the course of the world. And the reality is it has been manipulated by Satan. Satan uses our surroundings, he uses our upbringing, he uses bad events in our life, he uses uh, all sorts of different things to manipulate this person to go this direction, that person to go that direction. There is a course of this world. 
And ultimately, the purpose of that course is, is to keep mankind just, just kind of going and spinning his wheels in his pain and in his suffering and in his confusion and in his questioning and, and in his distance from God until he is no more. And finally, his life is over and, and it is too late for him to turn and, and forever he is in the clutches of the second death. That's what Satan wants. And if he can get you there by making you successful, if he can get you there by getting your life wasted away in business, if he can get you there by getting you up with the wrong crowd and you're going this direction and partying your whole life, listen, he doesn't care exactly what it takes to get you there, but he will manipulate you there all the way. Talking to you this morning about changing course. Who works in the sons of disobedience? That's a general term to this world of sinners. All sin is simply disobedience to God. Disobedience to the will of God. Now look what it says in verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. So, here's what you need to understand, Christian. You too were that. That's what Paul says. Remember, you were dead. Now you're alive. In whom... We once all conducted ourselves. So let's not pretend that we're better than anybody else. Let's not pretend we haven't been there, done that. Let's not pretend that you've been, you know, never in all your life have you ever walked to the way of the world. Let's not pretend that this morning. And let's not act like we're better than anybody. Because we went there. We were there. Sometimes I make statements like, well, I don't, I don't understand. You know, how, how could they do this? How could they do that? Well, I say that, but really I don't mean it. Oh, I understand. Trust me, I did it. I lived 20 years in death. I know what it's like to be selfish. I know what it's like to live for me. I know what it's like to not care about anybody else but me and be willing to hurt people to get, make myself gain. And, 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 and I, trust me, I know what that's all about. I do know. I do understand it. And you do too. Your stuff might look a little different than mine. Your course might have been different than mine. Your, the path that you were on and your environment and the, path that, the, the, the pack of folks that you decided to run with, yeah, we might not have been the same pack of folks, but at the end of the day, we were all sons of disobedience to the one true living God who has a plan for each and every one of our lives. Now look, you conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh. Fulfilling... The desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. There's so much in this one statement. First of all, we conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. What does that mean, lust of the flesh? The flesh is, is my natural bodily desires. It is my desire to, to uh, want things. It's my desire to uh, want to advance myself. It's my desire to want to be liked. It's my desire to want to be successful. It's my desire. Uh, ultimately, it is the desire for power. And all of us have a different view of what power really is based upon our environment we are brought up in. But that's what the lust of the flesh is. And it says you conducted yourself according to that. In other words, whatever you felt was right, that's what you went after. Whatever you desired... That's what you pursue. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Of the flesh 
and of the mind. See, what we have to understand and what, what the Christians need to understand, the lost man, lost woman needs to understand, is that your flesh, just because it desires something, doesn't make it right. The flesh is wicked. It's been manipulated by Satan. It's, it is on the course of this world. People who try to tell me, well, I desire this and I've just always wanted it, so it must be right. No, that's not true. Just because my friend always wanted to punch somebody in the face when he was five years old doesn't make it right. Just because you've desired something and it's a real desire, I mean, I want it. I like it. That doesn't make it right. This world's messed up. But here's the thing, it's not only the flesh that we have a problem with, it's the mind. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. If you're ever going to have your, your, your course changed, you're going to have to change your mind. See, that's the problem. The way of every man is right in his own eyes. We can explain why we do what we do and why it's right and why everyone else is wrong and why I should be able to go this direction and why I should be able to do my thing. The problem is your mind is polluted and you've been fulfilling the desires of your mind and your mind is wrong, your mind is off, your mind is not pure, your mind is tainted by the course of this world. And you need your mind to be renewed. No wonder Paul said in Romans chapter 12, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not enough to just come to the grips with the flesh is wrong and the flesh desires wicked stuff. I've got to realize my mind is wrong. My thinking is wrong. My ways are wrong. And I've got to quit fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. We're by nature children of wrath. Here's what I want us to see this morning concerning changing the course. It was your nature. Now, I know this is not groundbreaking, earth-shattering news, but that word nature is where we get our word natural from. What does it mean when something's natural? It just happens automatically. It just flows. It's natural that we breathe. It's natural that we get hungry and eat food. It's natural. There's things that we do that are natural in our life. And, and, and we do them almost thoughtlessly. That's what it means to be by nature. And the Bible tells us that by nature, nature, you're children of wrath. What does it mean, child of wrath? It just means that I'm a child of Satan. And that the wrath of God abides on me so long as I'm separated from God. That the only way for me to get out of the wrath of God is to leave the realm I'm in and come into the realm that God is in. But the truth is, my nature belongs over here. And so the only way for me to change course is for God to change my nature. And I'm here to tell you this morning, see, that's what real salvation is. It's a nature change. That's what real salvation is. It changes your nature. God gives you a new nature, a born-again nature that desires the things of God, that no longer desires the things of the old realm. The flesh may still desire what is wicked, but the new nature that God gives, the true blood-bought, born-again, child of God, that true nature will desire the things of God. And when the nature changes, everything else changes. 
You see, it's not really about actions. I do believe there's a time and place that's necessary for calling out sins. And if you've been here any length of time, you know I'm not hesitant to, to say that a sin is a sin. But over the years, I've had people that, you know, they'll, they'll look around at the congregation and, and think, you know, brother so-and-so really has a problem with this sin. And so I'll get, you know, notes about what I should preach. You know what? You, you should do a sermon on this. Because our people in our church are really struggling in that area. Most of the time, the reason they're struggling in that area is because their nature still needs to be changed more. And changing people's actions does not change their nature. And so I'm not real interested in changing your actions. I'm not real interested in, and neither is God for that matter. Because changing the actions alone doesn't get the job done. It doesn't move you from, from death to life. It doesn't change the, the, from, from being separated from God to now I'm with God just because I start coming to church. Just because I decide I'm going to start being nicer to sister so-and-so or because I decide I'm going to be faithful in this area, that, that area. Actions don't get the job done. What God wants to do is transform the nature. And trust me, when the nature's really, truly transformed, the actions will follow. They'll follow automatically. You won't have to sit them down then and say, you need to stop doing this and stop doing this and stop doing this and stop doing this. Many of you know I uh, wasn't raised up in church, did not have a vast church background when I was saved. I didn't know Bible verses and that type of stuff. And yet the day that I got saved, radically transformed, God gave me a new nature. Some of you know this. When I left the church that day, when I left the church that day, um, I didn't say anything. I was just in awe of what had happened. Trust me, if, if when your eyes are open, it changes things. I mean, it's like I went from the womb, right? And all of a sudden, my eyes are open. There's another world over here. You mean I lived here for 20 years and this whole world was here the whole time and I didn't know? God is here? He's real? He's active in our lives. I can experience Him and, 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 and hear Him actually speak in my soul. I didn't know that when I was back over here. I thought, oh, that sounded crazy. I thought everybody that talked about that was just lying. But see, my eyes were open. And I didn't know what to say about it. I mean, what do you, what do you say? I mean, I, for 20 years, thought that was crazy. But now I know. Because when you know, once you really know, once your eyes have really been opened, once your soul has been set free, once your sins have been washed away, once God has flooded your soul, trust me, brothers and sisters, you will know. You won't need me to tell you it happens. You'll know. And so I left, and I didn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. And these are the first words that came out of my mouth as a Christian. I was 20 years old. My wife now, who had been living with me at that time for a year and a half, both of us living in sin, first words out of my mouth were something like this. We're going to have to quit partying. We're going to have to quit hanging out with our friends. We're going to have to quit drinking using, and using drugs. You're going to have to move home. I'm going to have to move out of where I'm at. Those were like the first words that came out of my mouth as a Christian. First thing I said. Now, who told me that? You see, I didn't get saved and then have, you know, sister so-and-so sent me down on the pew before I got out of church. 
and say, now, son, now that you're a Christian, you need to do this, 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 and this, and you're going to have to quit. Nobody told me that. My nature was changed. I had a new nature that convicted me of sins. And the actions followed. God is the nature changer. He's the one that changes the course. You are by nature children of wrath. And this morning, if you're not born again, uh, born again, if this morning, if you have not truly been saved, you are by nature a child of wrath. Look at verse 4, and I'll close. But God. But God. You see, because it's a nature problem, it's not just a mind problem. It's not just a you need to change your mind. It's not just a you're hanging out with the wrong crowd problem. It's a nature problem. Something supernatural has to occur. Thank God that's where but God comes in. But God, who is, the Bible says, rich in mercy. I know what it is to be poor. I know what it is to wonder how you're going to pay the bills. And I'll be honest with you. At this stage in my life, I've grown to the place where I know what it is to not have to wonder about that for the most part. To be fairly stable. But so far at this stage of my life, I don't know what it is to be rich. The word rich, what does it mean? Rich means, in the simplest, purest form, to have more than enough. That's what it means. To have more than you need. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I've got so much. I might do something with it here and do something with it there. Who knows? I don't know. I could do it all and still have some left over. That's rich. But God who is rich in mercy. Mercy. See, this morning... You need to understand something. You might be a, a, a child of wrath. You, you, your story might be as bad as it can be. It, it, you, you may feel like there's no way that God could ever forgive you, but listen to the Word of God this morning. He's rich. Rich in mercy. He has enough. He has more than enough. I think some people, they see their life is so terrible and so bad, they think God could never really forgive me. I know I felt that way uh, before I was saved, that if there was a God, there's no way people like me, He would really, truly change and forgive. But I didn't understand that God was rich in mercy because I viewed God based upon everyone else around me. And can we just be honest? You're not going to find too many people who are rich in mercy. Rich in grace. Rich in love. Just about everybody we know, there's, there's somewhere that finally the tank runs empty. Mercy no more. Grace no more. Love no more. And we begin to think God couldn't change me. God wouldn't want me. Because you, you, you view God and you view God's capacity and God's abilities based upon the capacity and abilities of everybody else around you. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God's not like everybody else around you. God is so vast beyond what words could explain. He is rich in mercy. He has more than enough for you this morning. Whatever your need is, whatever your nature is, whatever course you're on, 
God has enough. I might pick this up where I left off because I'm only a quarter of the way through next week. But I feel like before I close, I'm still, I still need to make one more point. I want, I want to, I want to talk right now to the Christian. Understand that this process of the nature being changed is exactly what I just said. Process. It's a process. It's a process. Don't hear me this wrong, wrong this morning and think that when I talk to you about my nature being changed, don't think that I've never had anything else that needed to change since that day. It's an ever, ever, ever growing process. Anybody that tells you different is lying. It doesn't stop. Trust me. God is, what God's interested in is in making sons and daughters, transforming us into the image of Christ that we become more and more and more and more like Christ. There are things that God convicts me of 14 years into this thing where I'm more convicted of stuff I do now than what I was that day I got saved. And back then on that day, I wouldn't have been convicted about the stuff now. I would have thought, well, that's petty. But God showed me, oh, it's not petty to me, son. I want you to be more like me. And now it's time to work on this, to work on that. So it's a, it's a transforming process. And what I want to say about the process is the same principle that applies to the course applies to us as Christians. It's possible as a Christian to be transformed and then and change your course and, 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 and truly be, your eyes are opened, Right? And you, and you truly come to the realization of God's reality in your life and, and you're changed, but yet you're still on some courses you shouldn't be. You're still on some path with some folks you shouldn't be. Now maybe instead of gossiping with everybody you run into, you've only got your two or three friends you gossip with because you know they won't spill the beans to everybody else. But you can still feed that that gossip part, that dark part of your heart and, and somehow feel that it, you, you can do it freely and not get caught. You've got to get off that course. You've got to get off that path. And like I said, you'll, you'll find people, trust me, you'll find people who want to be on your course. You'll find people. You'll find people who will justify whatever direction you're going. People who come alongside and say, oh, don't worry about that. Everybody's got sins. Trust me, if you knew about what I know about brother so-and-so, you'd feel like a superhero. We've got to be careful even as Christians. What course are we taking? And if you're not willing to change your course, you understand something, you'll never really be able to step up into deeper spiritual things, into deeper maturity, into deeper Christian living. You'll never be able to... To, to get on the next path that God has for your life if you're not willing to step off of the last path that you're on. And too often we get real comfortable. That's the one thing about being on a course. You get enough people on the path. You get the team working like it's supposed to work and everybody's in agreement. You know, this is all, all that we need to do and let's just kind of coast. It's easy to just go. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Sometimes if you're willing to step off of that course and grow and mature and take your faith to the next place, the people that were on the path with you, they're not going to be happy about it. Because they want you where they're at. People who supported you, people who were behind you, 
people who were, they, I mean, any, everything you said, they just couldn't give you any greater amen for it. That's how I see it. That's how I want to do it. But now you say, you know what? I think it's time that my life advances further and I leave some of these things behind. You'll find that some of those same people that were supporting you before, now they're trying to pull you back. This morning as our worship team comes, I want you to think about this as we enter into 2014. What course are you on this morning? What course are you on? If you're lost this morning, you're on the course of the world. But where's that course going to lead? You may feel like you can't get away, that you can't uh, get out of that course, that it is your nature, that, that it is what you desire. Listen, we all were once children of wrath. All of us. Every last one of us. There is none that have not sinned. But listen to the Word of God this morning when it says, but God, who is rich in mercy... God can change your nature. He can change your course. He can change your life. But you've got to be willing to step off of the course and to step onto His. You've got to be willing to change your mind and change your attitude and change your heart and let God have His way with you. And if you're not willing to change the course, you can't have what God wants for you. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God's a transforming God. God is a supernatural, nature-changing God. And this morning, if you're here, in some ways, maybe you're lost, and you don't understand everything I said, but it's like you're in the womb, and you can almost see it. And this morning, God's just peeled back the curtains far enough for you to see and you feel a stirring in your soul and you feel a stirring in your heart and, 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 and you're realizing this whole thing about God and Jesus and the Bible and I feel it this morning and I sense His presence is more than what I always thought it was. It's not just religion. It's not just people showing up to church. There's, there's something more and you long for it. This morning, I encourage you with every fiber of my being, run to Jesus. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't come back up in that thing and close the curtains and then try to think about what God was doing. No, you just respond to God. And no, God will meet you where you're at. This morning, child of God, consider your path. Consider your course. Are you on the course that God really has set for your life? Are there people on your path that are really diverting you from going where you know God's telling you to go? Are there changes you need to make? so that you can walk out God's will for your life in 2014. Lord, I pray that you move all across this room as we give an invitation. And God, that you'd finish what you started. Lord, I believe I've said what you'd have me to say. And now I pray that you finish the work in Jesus' name.